0: All right, we've been telling you about Walters Bruns the last few days, but did you know that they are also open for lunch? Monday through Friday, Walters opens at noon for lunch, midday baseball watching, and even the occasional European soccer match. So if you find yourself around the ballpark during the day, make sure you walk on over to Walters.
1: You know, even though the Nats are out of town right now, there's a lot of activity in the ballpark area. That whole neighborhood has really transformed itself the last few years. And if you're looking for a place to go during the day, in the evening, want to catch the game,
2: When they're on the road, head over to Walters, right across the street from Left Field. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need indeed. Finnegan's one goal.
3: Swinging a high drive to right. He has got another one. An opposite field home run. The third of the game for Guerrero. His seventh of the year. He's driven home seven runs. He's outscoring the Nats by himself. It's 9 5 Toronto. A big time night for Vladimir Guerrero Jr.
0: And welcome to Nats Chat for Wednesday, April 28th, 2021, along with Nationals insider Mark Zuckerman of MassInSports.com. I'm Al Galdi, host of the Al Galdi podcast. Well, the Nationals hit a home run. They actually hit four of them on Tuesday night. The problem was the Toronto Blue Jays hit more than their share, three by Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Max Scherzer struggled, and the Nats fall to 8-12, and 12, a 9-5 loss to the Toronto Blue Jays in Dunedin, Florida in game one of a two-game series. A bandbox of a ballpark is what TD Ballpark proved to be. Another frustrating night for the Nationals, Mark, a game in which they do some things well, but the ace, the most dependable person on the team, has his first truly bad start of the season, and the Nats fall to four games below 500.
1: You wanted homers, Al. You kept saying, when are they going to start hitting for power? They hit four of them, and it still wasn't enough. And that kind of tells you all need to know about this game. I don't know for you, but for me, watching it on TV, I kind of felt like I was watching a spring training game because of the ballpark, because of the, especially early on that the sun, you know, flashing right in the left fielder's eyes. It just, it had the feel of not really being a major league game. And I'm not trying to make that as any excuse. Obviously the game counted, everybody knew that, and they're all in the same situation. But just watching it from afar, it didn't really feel like a major league game to me. And the result obviously didn't work out either, but it just, I I don't know, It, it felt off. Everything about that game felt off to me.
0: It did. No, it very much did. I mean, from the fact that you were playing in a minor league ballpark to the fact that you had the cardboard cutouts in the stands. I mean, I thought we were done with that. I, I never want to see cardboard cutouts in stands again. Like, let's try to get away from 2020, not recreate 2020. You very clearly had piped in crowd noise if you watched the telecast of the game. It was bizarre. And, you know, with Max Scherzer not batting, you saw him in the dugout, which you don't normally see. And not that I'm a mind reader, but he came off as someone who didn't know what to do with himself in between innings sitting sitting in the dugout.
1: I mean, he is the ultimate pacer. He he is the worst. They hate him on the days he doesn't pitch because he's always talking in everybody's ear. Remember during the playoffs, he was begging to go down to the bullpen and Dave was like, at some points, like, fine, just go down there. You're like, you're not pitching, but go ahead and go down there. Yeah, he seemed out of sorts, no question about it. Now, again, I'm not trying to excuse the pitching performance. It's a It's a big league game against big league hitters. I mean, he pitches in spring training ballparks all the time, and they've made the renovations they need to down there in Dunedin. But it just from afar didn't look like anybody was comfortable. And I'd probably put Max at the top of the list. He really did not look comfortable at all.
0: Yeah. Well, bottom line, Nationals lose for a 12th time in 20 games. Their National League worst run differential now at minus 28 on the season. And Scherzer is the headline as much as anything. His worst start of the season so far. I know he gave up the four solo homers in that first game, but he also did a lot of things well in that first game. This was just another one of these. I don't know if blow up start applies, but if it wasn't a blow up start, it wasn't far from it. Seven runs, five earned in five innings, gives up eight hits, including the two homers, By Vladimir Guerrero Jr., who later added a third homer. Max also giving up a double and five singles, two walks versus five strikeouts. And here's what I know stood out to me as much as anything 86 pitches, just 54 for strikes. Now, for a lot of guys, 54 out of 86 isn't awful, but for Max, we're used to like three fourths of his pitches being for strikes. And that was not the case on Tuesday night.
1: No. And I mean, he didn't have one clean inning. He retired the side, as it were, in the first, but that was on a a double play ball. He had another double play ball. In the second, the third inning was a disaster. The fourth inning was a disaster. Fifth inning gives up a homer. So when's the last time you didn't see at least one, one, two, three inning from Max Scherzer? That just doesn't happen. And you're right about the command. And watching it, I felt like the slider was the pitch that was giving him the most trouble. But I go and look at the stats afterwards, and it was 19 out of 27 sliders were strikes, and only two of them were put into play. Now, one of them was the grand slam. So obviously, that one hurt. But it was the fastball that he only had one swing and miss. Off the fastball, he threw 27 of 41 for strikes. It's not great, but you know, and 12 of them were put into play. And so that to me tells me something because when he, his fastball has life on it, he gets the swings and misses. He's able to use that as a putaway pitch. He doesn't have to go to the off speed stuff to put away hitters with two strikes. So to me, I feel like it was actually the fastball. It, it felt like he was missing down and away with the slider a lot, but he was inducing swings and misses with that one. He was not inducing any of them with the fastball.
0: It was so funny because Max comes into this game having pitched really well so far this year, enters the game having given up just five runs over his first four starts, and then he gives up four runs in just the bottom of the third. A one-out first pitch single by Kristen Kirk, a one-out single by Kevin Biggio, a one-out full count walk of Bo Bichette, and Max had Bichette down in the count at 1.12, and then the biggest blow by far, the one-out grand slam by Vladimir Guerrero Jr. on a bomb to left center. And that's the thing. Like, we can mock TD ballpark. We can mock that the Blue Jays play their home games in Dunedin, Florida. That's a home run in just about any ballpark. That was a moonshot by Vlad Guerrero Jr.
1: No, I think all three left his bat at like 109 miles an hour or more. So no, there were no cheapies there for him. And, and he, the kid is legit. I mean, let's, let's say it. I mean, there's, there's no question about that. He's been hyped up like very few prospects have. The son of a Hall of Famer, I know he was kind of overweight last year. He showed up really strong this year. And he's not just in this game. He's been off to a great start for them. And that's a lineup with, first of all, with some major league pedigree. When your first three hitters are named Biggio, Bichette, and Guerrero, and we're not in the 1990s anymore. This is the 2020s. That's three big name guys right there at the top of the order. And Vladdy Jr. is the best of them all. Look, he beat Max tonight. I, mean, I don't know how else to put it. I mean, he just, he beat him. And on a night when Scherzer was not at his best. He really could not put away their best hitter, and I'm not sure what else there was for him to do against Vladdy. He had to try to get him out with what he had in this game, and it wasn't good enough. Vladdy was the far superior player in this game.
0: Yeah, no doubt. You know, it's interesting with Vladdy because he actually had kind of underwhelmed his first two seasons. His OPS plus was just one oh nine, so he was like above average, but he wasn't anything truly special. And there have been some talk, like you mentioned the extra weight. They've already moved him to first base, which is like kind of frightening that this early in his career is that much of a defensive liability. They gotta put him at first. But if you can hit like he's hitting so far this season, it doesn't matter where you play. And he is off to a white hot start to his twenty twenty one season. So Rough night for Max. He gives up another run, bottom of the fifth, on another homer by Vlad Jr. to left center. And then you had the two unearned runs in the bottom of the fourth. And you know we like to talk about the little things, as Davey likes to say. Again, this isn't why Max struggled. This isn't why the Nats lost. But you give up a leadoff double to Joe Panic, and then comes that one-out run-scoring fielding error by Josh Harrison, the second baseman.
3: Panic off second has a decent lead. Harrison shaded that way to keep him close. The pitch, swinging a pop up. This one on the right side of the infield. Harrison calls off Zimmerman now backs up onto the outfield grass and drops the ball and it deflects between the legs of Hernandez out into deep right field. Heading for the plate is Panic, heading for third is Kirk
0: and he'll make it standing up. I'm not sure what happened. He's, you know, drifting back on a fairly routine fly ball in shallow right field. I don't know if he lost track of it. I mean, It sounds a little ridiculous to say the sun monster got him. So I'm not sure what happened, but he ends up just dropping what should have been a pretty easy out. And uh, a run scores on that. And then another run scores on a one out sack fly by Cabin Vigio.
1: Again, watching from afar, it's hard to tell, but it felt like he just misread it. And he caught himself at the very end, realizing, oh God, I got to backtrack. I'm not there. And I don't know if that's because a wind gust moved it. And, you know, and again, in a small ballpark like that, there's no protection, there's no upper deck to kind of shield everything from the wind. And so maybe. The ball gets up in the air and it, it hits a gust and, and you know starts moving away from him. But again, you're a big league infielder. You have to be able to judge a pop up and get yourself under it. It was not a terribly difficult play at all. And then what made it even worse? And I'm not sure that Yadier Hernandez did anything wrong. He's he's charging in on it. He's kind of backing him up. But he got so close to Harrison that when the ball skipped away, it got straight past Hernandez and rolled a good another fifty feet or something allowing Kirk, who is not fleet of foot, not going to win any physique contest, the Blue Jays catcher, and he ends up on third base. And you know, again, who knows what happens, but there was a sacrifice fly after that. So if Hernandez is just able to stay back enough and keep the ball from getting past him, maybe it's only a one-base error or two-base error at worst, and now he doesn't score in the sack fly, and that's a run that could have been saved. But you know, with everything else that's going on, and you heard FP Santangelo say it on the broadcast, and it's true, They cannot afford to make these mistakes in the field, on the bases. We've been talking about it for three weeks now. It feels like every game has at least something, if not multiple things to go wrong there. And when you're A, not hitting as well as you should, and B, more often than you want, not getting good quality starts, you just can't give games away like this. They have to play cleaner baseball.
0: Kirk, by the way, reminds me so much of a guy who pitched for the Minnesota Twins almost 20 years ago. Everyday, Eddie Guardado. Kirk is an everyday kind of looking guy, you know, (laughs) like you look at Kirk, you say to yourself, if that guy can look like that and be in Major League Baseball, then why can't I? I mean, I just i got such a kick. You know, you have guys who are all rocked up, even in this, you know, PED testing era. And then you see someone like Kirk. That's a pretty nice, you know, relatable thing to see if you're a baseball fan.
1: You know, Eddie, everyday Eddie was a national briefly, a spring training national only. And I I think that may have been the end of it. He didn't make the team, and I don't think he pitched in the big leagues again. So he's on that list of guys whose careers ended as a national. There's a very long list of that. We can we can have fun with that one someday. But everyday Eddie was briefly a national after his illustrious career with the twins.
0: And that is a great nickname, Everyday Eddie, because he was everyday Eddie Guardado. Hey guys, Al Galdi here to tell you about FanDuel. I'm so excited that baseball is back. There's nothing like watching a game with great weather, a cold drink, and a little action on FanDuel Sportsbook. If you've never bet on baseball before, now's the perfect time to give that a shot. FanDuel is letting new users swing for the fences risk-free. You'll get up to $1,000 back if your first bet doesn't win. And once you have an account, you can get up to $25 back each day if your same game parlay bet falls one leg short. This way you can combine multiple baseball bets for an even bigger win all season long. On Wednesday, if you want to bet on Clayton Kershaw and the Dodgers at four, followed by Tyler Glasnow and the Rays at seven, by all means, you can do that at FanDuel. There's a reason that FanDuel Sportsbook is America's number one sportsbook. The app is simple to use. They've got great odds in all different betting markets, unique fun bet types like Same Game Parlay and Always On Promotions to let you get more action out of every game day. And when you win, FanDuel will pay you your winnings in as little as 24 hours. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app and sign up with promo code chat to get in on the action. That's FanDuel Sportsbook promo code chat.
4: 21 plus and present in present Colorado, Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, or West Virginia. First on real money wager, only for risk-free bet. Refund issued as is non-withdrawable site. Credit that expires in seven days. Restrictions apply. See terms at com. Gambling problem? Call one 800 522 in Colorado. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. One hundred nine with it, Indiana, 7117 for confidential Help in Michigan, one hundred Gambler, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Virginia, Tennessee, 1-800-889-9789. or in West Virginia, visit www100 gamblernet
1: Are you interested in buying or selling your home? Support for Nats Chat comes from Rachel Levy of Compass Real Estate. By focusing on the personal parts of the real estate process and using technology to simplify the rest, Rachel seamlessly guides her clients through their experience. Rachel uses her deep local knowledge and exceptional customer service to advocate for her clients all across D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. To learn more, follow her on Instagram
2: at Rachel. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform
3: Runner goes. Pitch a strike. Throw on down. The tag by Marcus Simeon. And Harrison is out. Going in head first on the throw by the Blue Jays rookie catcher Alejandro Kirk. That's the first one he's ever thrown out in his career. He'd been 0 for 8 this year and 0 for 12 in his career.
0: So Harrison has the boo-boo in the field and he also has another Nationals base running blunder. I mean, I don't know how many more times you're going to have to see this Josh Harrison goes one for three with a single and a hit-by-pitch. He draws a one-out hit-by-pitch in the top of the second. It is amazing how often Nationals hitters are getting hit by pitches. Trey Turner gets hit by a pitch after his two homers. He was not happy about that at all. We can get to that. But Harrison gets hit by pitch top of the second and then gets caught trying to steal second base. The Nationals, over their first 20 games of the season, are 7-for-12 on stolen bases. That's awful. You need to be successful on, you know, two-thirds or three-fourths of your stolen base attempts. It's a small sample. I mean, I understand that, but they're getting thrown out way too often on the base pass and not just on attempted steals. Like we've seen, you know, trying to stretch a double into a triple, a single into a double, that sort of a thing. But it's like watching the game, you're like, here we go again? This early in the ball game, you're going to get thrown out on a base pass like that? Just That drove me nuts seeing that.
1: Yeah. And I mean, you know, it wasn't some kind of egregious, uh, you know, out by 15 feet, anything like that, but you're right. And it makes it even worse when Starling Castro then follows with a base hit to left and, and you just ruin a potential rally. But I feel like there's a consistent theme here, and that is a team that knows it's struggling to score runs and has been struggling to hit for power is trying too hard to make other things happen. And that's when you get into trouble. You need to run when it's appropriate. You need to try to take extra bases when it's there for the taking. You can't force that issue. If it's not there, you can't just make it happen. You're not going to suddenly become an offensive powerhouse by doing things outside of your comfort zone and doing things that you're not equipped to do. So they do need to tone it back. I don't know if that's a, you know, a straight up red light sign that needs to be given to some of these guys when they're on base, but if you're not going to be stealing bases at a 75-80% clip, you're only hurting yourself. And they've just got to trust that the guys behind them can get the job done. Give yourself a chance when you have runners on base, let the next guy try to hit a ball in the gap and multiple runners can score. Don't be giving away outs. They simply can't afford to do that given the current state of the lineup.
0: Yeah. And like you said with Castro, I mean, he's not been their biggest problem. Okay. He's been okay. You know, a couple of singles on Tuesday night with some of these negatives. We'll get to some of the offensive positives in a moment here, but another wretched game for Josh Bell. 0 for 4 with two strikeouts. Now, it's interesting with Josh Bell, if you look at some of the advanced data, he's actually hitting some balls hard. So there is kind of a reason to think of, you know what? If you just kind of stick with this, he'll come out of it. And it's hard for me to believe that he's this bad. But the results have just been awful. He's batting 109 now, 192 on base, 217 slugging. Davey is sticking with him. You know, Josh Bell was out there as that number four batter once again on Tuesday night. He was a DH, not the first baseman. Ryan Zimmerman was out there at first. But what do you think here? I mean, is Davey just going to stick with Bell until Bell starts hitting? Or do you think at some point Bell maybe gets dropped down a spot or two?
1: Well... He's going to play Wednesday because they, again, have the DH. Now, maybe he'll, I don't know if he'll play first and Zim will DH or they'll stick with what they did. Zim had a nice pick at first base and reminded you how valuable he is there. So maybe they just stick with the same thing. But they're facing a lefty in Steven Matz. And the issue here is this team is just not built at the moment to sub a guy like that out. They don't have this right-handed bat sitting on the bench. The one guy they have is Ryan Zimmerman. So if you're in a National League park and the pitcher's hitting, then yeah, absolutely. Ryan Zimmerman is starting at first base on Wednesday and Josh Bell's on the bench. But when you need a DH, I don't know, the other alternative is Jordy Mercer. And maybe that's where they go. But the interesting thing to me will become this weekend when they're back in the National League park against the Marlins, pitchers hitting again, no need for a DH. And at some point here, you have to say, I'm not saying Ryan Zimmerman needs to be the everyday first baseman, but he needs to play more than he has. He unlike Josh Bell has carried over what he did all spring, despite sitting on the bench. I, I was worried he was going to go cold from not getting in that bat for a whole week. And that's not the case at all. He looks great at the plate. And at some point, you got to say, we need to score runs. We need to put our best team out to gives us the best chance to win. And right now that includes Ryan Zimmerman and not Josh Bell. Again, not a full-time replacement here. You're not going to make the switch for good. Ultimately, they need Josh Bell. But I don't see any harm in giving him a day here or there, especially when the matchups would favor Zim and especially when the team needs it.
0: Yeah, it just is kind of odd to me. They pull the plug on Robles so quickly, and yet he sticks with Bell like, you know, he's Babe Ruth. And you're like, Josh Bell has talent. And I know there's a little bit of a track record, but man, like they are sticking with him and they are refusing to get off him. Zimmerman, another home run on Tuesday night, also drew a walk, but a one out five pitch walk, top of the fifth, one out two run bomb. In the top of the seventh inning. So, in his limited opportunities this season, Zimmerman has continued to produce. Trey Turner with two home runs on Tuesday night. That was great to see. First of all, it was great to see him playing, period, right? He suffers that left forearm contusion off another hit by pitch incurred by Nat in that game Sunday afternoon, the 4 0 loss at the Mets. Trey goes 2 of 4, two solo homers, leadoff bomb to left field on an 0 2 pitch in the top of the first, a one out solo homer to left center and the Nats two-run third. He was down in that count at 1.12. Then he gets hit by the pitch in the top of the fifth. You can tell him that he was not happy about that at all. I don't know that the Blue Jays did that on purpose, but it certainly didn't look good. And the fact that Nats batters keep getting hit by pitches, obviously Trey had the injury scare on Sunday. We haven't seen any retaliation yet. I don't know that we see it on Wednesday for what happened to Trey on Tuesday, but this is becoming a little annoying, the frequency with which Nats batters are getting hit by pitches.
1: Well, yes, I think it's fair to say that it's getting annoying, but I haven't seen one yet that made me raise my eyebrow and say, oh boy, I think there might've been some kind of intent behind that. The one that Turner was hit on, I think it was a 2-2 pitch leading off an inning in, in what was still a, a competitive game. Was it 4-3 still? Sorry, 5-3 in the top of the fifth. So the last thing the Blue Jays want to do is you know, start a beanball war at that point and, and put a, a speedster on base that you, know, you might be just guaranteeing he's going to get to second anyways on a stolen base. So I don't think there was anything behind that. Now I understand why he's frustrated. Just got hit in the hand or in the forearm. Was worried he might have to miss this game. Now he gets hit in the back. Not good. But if I'm the Nats, I'm not worrying about that. They got enough other things to worry about than trying to figure out. Do we need to start throwing inside more and doing any kind of retaliation for intent that I don't believe is there? Now the other thing about Trey, we've talked about this, about trying to maximize his production and he hit the ball great twice, and both times there was nobody on base, and so it's a solo homer, and you're not maximizing. Now, I get why he was hitting leadoff in this game. They tried him in the three spot, and it didn't work. He didn't look like the same hitter. He is more comfortable at the top. At the moment, with what they're dealing with, I don't know that there really is another spot to put him in, so I get why he's hitting leadoff. But boy, it would have been nice if somebody was on base for at least one of those homers. The first time, of course, it's the lead off of the game, so nobody's going to be on base. The second time, it was one out. After Robles had the leadoff strikeout. So I, I don't know what the answer is there, but just like last year, it feels like they're wasting their production from a guy who now leads the team with six homers in 20 games. That should be six homers and 10 RBIs. We can talk about the importance of our, the RBI stat, but if you hit six homers, you should have more than 10 RBI. Okay. And they're going to have to figure out a way to maximize what they get from him because they're not getting it from anyone else.
0: No, it's weak. And and the things there's kind of a common denominator to all these things we keep coming back to with the lineup and that is there's not a lot of depth. There aren't many options. Like if Trey Turner isn't batting leadoff, well then who is batting leadoff? You know, and it's like This is kind of where they're at. You know, from a roster construction standpoint, the team is flawed. The team went into the season with all these kind of fingers crossed. And if this guy can bounce back and this guy can pan out, golly gee, we'll have another good season. And it's like, that's not the way baseball works. Not everything plays out in the positive. Like you got to count on some of these things not working out. And so far, a whole lot isn't working out. And you don't have other options. They don't have people to turn to. And that's one of the real frustrations with this team. Like it's a win now team that to me, didn't really act like it in the offseason. They kind of just went ho-hum, and it felt like whistling past the graveyard with some of this stuff. And the season is playing out as I think a lot of us thought it might, where they're not terrible, but they don't look like a team that makes you feel like, okay, you know, this is a 90-win team waiting to bust out. I mean, to me, it strikes me as like an 82-win team that's waiting to be a little bit better than it's been already. And even when Juan Soto comes back, I don't see the path of like, okay, now they catch fire, you know, unless like Bell and Schwarber just really pick it up and Robles finds himself and, you know, then you're off and running. But again, listen to all the ifs there of like, well, if this guy does this, and then if this guy does that, like realistically, what are the chances that all of those things happen?
1: That's the problem. And we talked about it all spring training of the the lack of sure things. And like you said, they were going to need the non-sure things to turn out in the, on the positive direction. And the way this lineup was built, they kind of had to have production from Bell and Schwarber, at least one of them, if not both of them, because there was not really an alternative there. So far, they've not had it. But I think that's among the reasons why they're still continuing to play as much as they are, because Davey understands there is no alternative there. And again, yes, Zim can play a little bit more. If they start putting Ryan Zimmerman out there every day, he's going to get hurt, and it's going to hurt them In the long run. And besides, Ryan Zimmerman is not a number three hitter at this stage of his career. He's done a really nice job in the limited role so far. They want to keep him like that. So, their only chance of success from an offensive standpoint is for Bell in particular and Schwarber on top of that to be productive. Now, what I will say, especially in Bell's case, he's been an awfully streaky hitter his career. We keep talking about the great 2019 he had in Pittsburgh, it really was a great first half. It was a ridiculously good first half. The second half was not good. It wasn't quite as bad as he was in 20, but it was still pretty bad. And so what you're hoping for, and I think what they're hoping for, is that one of these days is going to click, and when he gets hot, he gets really hot, and then you hope you ride that as long as you can. But they have to understand they're going to go through some prolonged slumps with him, swerver to a lesser extent, and I don't know. They're going to ride it as long as they feel like they have to. Again, both of them will play Wednesday because they're in the DH park. Come Friday, I'll be very interested to see what they do because unless Josh Bell starts doing something, it's going to be really hard to say that he deserves to be playing over Zim, at least on a somewhat regular basis. Now, the guy who is also going to have to find his way to stay in the lineup and is probably going to stay this way until Juan Soto is activated is Yadiel Hernandez, who has been fantastic as a number two hitter and at a point now where they can't afford not to have his bat in the lineup. And this is going to create a question down the line whenever Soto's activated, because I'm not exactly sure what they're going to do there, but it's going to be really hard to send that guy down. They may not have a choice, but to keep him on the roster somehow.
0: They should absolutely keep him on the roster. Yeah. I mean, the homer he had on Tuesday night, a one-out opposite field solo shot to left center on a one-two pitch, went back to back with Trey Turner. That that was a really nice piece of hitting from Hernandez. He also had a one-out full count single and the Nationals' two-run seventh inning. So no doubt, he's been a really nice, bright spot. And as a number two batter, he's been delivering. I mean, I give him full credit for the job he's doing.
4: Hey, Nats Chat listeners, Tim Shover's here to tell you about Sunday Scary CBD. You know, we're getting to the point where prioritizing mental health is becoming less stigmatized. People are finally starting to talk about strategies to stay centered and calm in their everyday life. That's why I'm really excited to tell you about Sunday Scaries. Sunday Scaries are specially formulated CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that taste absolutely delicious and are easy to take on the go. Sunday Scary CBD gummies help you live life scare free by promoting a sense of calm, quieting your mind, and just helping to chill out and relax. In fact, Sunday Scary CBD gummies and CBD oil have won glowing coverage in publications like Men's Health, Forbes, Allure, and Best Products. I've been taking Sunday Scary CBD gummies ever since I got my care package in the mail. And let me tell you, it's been fantastic. As someone like myself who works weird hours and needs to chill out at around 2 a.m. before going to bed, it's been the perfect thing to take right before I brush my teeth. Today, you can get 25% off your first order with the code NATSCHAT at sundayscaries.com. That's 25% off your first order at sundayscaries.com. Enter code NATSCHAT where it asks for a coupon on the checkout page. Ready to chill out and get some much needed peace of mind. Head to sundayscaries.com right now to get 25% off some sweet, sweet CBD gummies. Support for Nat's chat comes from
0: Manscaped, which has the best men's grooming tools to get the job done. Fellas, listen up. Manscaped is here to ensure your post-quarantine body is ready for whatever the world throws at it. Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide. Join the movement for all your male grooming needs. I just got mine in the mail the other day. I'm excited to finally use it. This is the best trimmer on the market for those of you in need of a chest shave. Their third-generation trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to advanced skin-safe technology pioneered by Manscaped. You can also adjust settings to get a length that you like, and you can stay on top of it with almost no effort at all. For a limited time, subscribers get two free gifts, the Shed Travel Bag, a $39 value add, and the patented high-performance reduced chafing. Manscaped boxers get 20% off plus free shipping with the code WASHINGTON at Manscaped.com. Do yourself a favor and always use the right tools for the job. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code Washington at Manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at Manscaped.com and use the promo code Washington.
3: Base is full. Here comes the one-two. Swing a soft ground ball to short. Bichette has it to second for one. Simeon to first. Two. It's a double play. So, Castro comes in, gets Robles to ground into the ending, ending 6 4 3 double play. And the Nationals leave Trey Turner in the on deck circle. And after first and third no outs, the Nats do not score in the fourth.
0: Our uh, daily Victor Robles update. So, he goes 0 4 4 with a strikeout and a killer double play. Bases loaded one out top of the fourth, and he grounds into a killer double play like that. I know it's not one moment that lost the Nats the game. And he did make a tremendous defensive play in the game, that leaping catch at the center field wall, but that was brutal. You know, Blue Jays have the bases loaded, Vladimir Guerrero grand slam. That's have the bases loaded, double play inning over.
1: Yeah, I thought the two killer at-bats in the game was that one, the Robles uh, double play with the bases loaded in the fourth. And then the bell caught looking at a 2-2 fastball, 96, right down the pipe with two on and one out in the fifth. And then Schwarber comes in, and they bring in the lefty to face him and he hits the ball hard left field and a nice sliding catch. Out there by Lourdes Gurriel Jr. Another hard hit ball, a little bit of bad luck, but the Bell strikeout watching a fastball go by was really damaging to them. And they need both of them. They they need Bell. They need Robles. They're not getting it, not in the right moments, in the right spots. I know they lost nine to five, but this felt like a game that was still there for the taking. <laughs> as bad as the numbers were against Max, there were opportunities to do more and you know take the lead and, and even. You know, Zim hits the homer in the seventh and it's a two run game. And you're thinking, okay, maybe there's a little momentum here. And then what happens? Home run number three for Vladdy Jr. off Kyle Finnegan. So it's a lot of little things that are adding up. And it seems like there's just enough of these things happening per game for them to lose. They're not playing horribly, like you said, but they're just doing enough things wrong at the wrong moments. And that's making them lose these games.
0: Yeah. When they pitch well, they don't hit. Tuesday night, they hit, but they didn't pitch particularly well. You mentioned Finnegan. He gives up the two runs, bottom of the seventh. Kyle McGowan tossed a scoreless sixth. And Paolo Espino with a perfect bottom of the eighth inning. Paolo Espino has an ERA of 284. He's done a nice job. You know, you wonder about him staying at the major league level. I think he should.
1: The hidden weapon. Uh, I, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, we'll we'll see again. You know, for now, they don't really have uh, a lot of other options, and they're waiting For Wander Suero and Will Harris, and and they're not, you know, close, they're making progress, but they're not close. So they may have to keep Paolo in there. And uh, hey, you know what? If you've got a guy who's good for a scoreless inning to kind of keep the game where it is, keep it manageable, that's a valuable role to have. You need somebody like that. And the back end guys are certainly fresh at this point. You know, (laughs) Hudson and Hand haven't pitched in, I think it'll be a week. I think Wednesday is the last time they pitched at home. They've not pitched on the road trip. Rainey made one appearance. On uh, Sunday, I think in New York. So if they can just get the game into those guys' hands <laughs> late with a lead, they might be in good shape. But at the moment, they can't get the game to their best relievers.
0: No, they can't. And I mean, at some point, davey has got to start thinking about using these guys in non traditional situations. And he hasn't been shy about that in the past. But, you know, I did think that was one of the shames of that series at the Mets. Like, you can go through the particulars of each game, but just kind of globally speaking, that's a big series against a division rival. And you never throw your best reliever. Like you got to think about that. Like is that really how you want to do this season? And I I know it's easy, like after the fact, to say that, but I I think that's something that Davey maybe needs to be a little more open to here on the season. So, speaking of, you know, sort of like globally looking at things, it, it is a killer. You lose a game in which the pitching matchup is Max Scherzer versus Trent Thornton. Like that's not something the Nats need to be doing right now, and yet it happens on Tuesday night. It is an Eric Fetty game Wednesday night against the Blue Jays. And as we've discussed with Fetty, he's been pretty good, all things considered. You know, not lights out, but I think a lot better than what you might have thought, given his track record at the major league level over the seasons. And, you know, we still don't know when John Lester's going to debut. I don't know if this is going to be Fetty's last start. I suppose, though, it could be, right, if Lester's activated for the next series.
1: Well, it could be. But remember, at the moment, they're only using a four-man rotation. So if Lester's activated, and he threw six innings, 90 pitches the other day in Fredericksburg They're going to see how he feels after all that, but the only reason not to activate him at this point is if they just don't think they need him because they have all these off days. They don't necessarily need a fifth starter, but as long as Strasburg is out, I think there is a spot for Fetty in the rotation, so I think he'll stick, and as far as Wednesday goes, like we just said, because you've got a very fresh back end of the bullpen, the mission to me is clear. Give him five quality innings, maybe six if he's really cruising along, but they don't need more than that. Face the lineup twice give your best Eric Fetty, keep the ball down the zone, get some ground balls, hand it over to the bullpen, hope your guys score some runs. against Steven Matz, a guy who they have hit very well in the past when he was with the Mets, so they know him well. That's why I would look for Zim to have a big game, probably hitting third against that guy. You know, it's set up for this all to work out, but then they got to do all these other things right. They need to actually put themselves in a position to then win that game late. Let's see if they can actually put that all together.
0: No doubt. Nats also got out to a 3 nothing lead in this game on Tuesday night. That's another thing. Davies talked about that, right? Get out to a lead. You did that on Tuesday night. You had Max on the mound and you still ended up losing that game. You tell us what you think. Hit us up on Twitter at nats underscore chat. You can email the podcast as well, natschatpodcast at gmail.com. If you'd like to become a sponsor of the podcast, email the mastermind of all this, Tim Schovers. Again, the email address, natschatpodcast at gmail.com. All Nationals radio highlights on Nats chat are courtesy Of 1067, the fan. For Mark Zuckerman, I'm Al Goldie. We'll talk to you next time on the Nats Chat Podcast.
3: Popped up, it's a foul ball out of play, one and two. And hit a speaker, and Gordon makes the call. Hits a speaker. A.J. Brzezinski gives up on it. Watch Eddie follow this right here. And then he sees it hit the speaker, and there goes Eddie. Nice catch right there. On the basis of that alone, he should be given some consideration for a ball club.
4: For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger.